return of web fiction for Magic's main sets, WotC have endeavoured to give us not just the main narrative articles, but also a set of side stories to flesh out each plane. But these stories also give us a chance to see characters and their relationships unfold almost separately from their surroundings. Today we are looking at the Sean and Maguire story, Tangles, where the planeswalkers Ren and Teferi meet for the very first time. Welcome to Magic the Flavouring, the Magic the Gathering podcast, where we talk about all things magic, flavour design and lore. I'm your host, Andy Mann. Hello, this is Nathan Cancel. And today we are going to be talking about the uh, Midnight Hunt side story, Tangles, written by Shawnee McGuire. Um, at time of recording, the Crimson Vow spoilers have been coming thick and fast, so we are now moving into vampire territory, moving away from the werewolves. But uh, I think uh, it's probably worth us sticking around in Midnight Hunt territory just for a little bit, because this is a story that you read uh, when it first came out. This was the first side story to come out, so it came out with the first episode of the main, of the main arc. Um, and immediately you turned to me Nathan and were like we have to do a book club episode on this so I think we, yeah, we're yeah, we going to stick around in Midnight Hunt Territory just for now to talk about this story because this doesn't have really anything to do with werewolves so it won't feel too werewolfy and then next week we're going to move on to do a combined hype slash flavour picks episode for Crimson Vow and then we can talk about the Crimson Vow storyline because it's a completely different beast um, sure so I mean as I said you, you wanted to talk about this story like straight away immediately after reading it but why what's, what's what's going on well we've got two protagonists in the story uh teferi who is very interesting very cool it's very nice to see as as, a, as an old walker that has a lot of really like dense backstory that i haven't read you know I, I haven't read all of the old novels um again i always say they're really hard to get hold of digitize them please wizards why not um there's also a second protagonist, someone that's been someone that everyone's been hearkening to learn more about, get some backstory on, get some context for, and that's Ren. And I just the sometimes in magic you have to follow along with plinky plonky gatewatch bullshit, and you're like, <laughs> okay, cool, paint by numbers. And then every now and again you get a combination of characters and an interaction and seeing how their magic works together, how their like philosophies work, just general dialogue and their perspectives being planeswalkers, and it feels like kind of what old school magic used to be, like of oh, let's explore these new worlds with these new eyes and these new directions. It felt like proper a proper fantasy kind of story, mm. um, and it was too. Direct, two directions uh, or sort of two uh, point, point of views I thought we were, wasn't expecting I just wasn't expecting and this story as you said has nothing to do nothing to do with the main arc whatsoever I think arguably if you when you when you read through it you kind of notice that it's, this might have been taken place like years and years before the, the current arc because it says that it's Teferi's first time on the plane and I don't think his first time on the plane is then immediately followed by going back to Ravnica and having you know, Arlen go, hey guys, you want to come and fix this, this Celestis problem I've got? And Teferi's like, well, I was just there. I might as well, might as well Ooh, go back again. That's a good point. I didn't think of that. Yeah, when we find Teferi in the main story arc, yeah, he's in the, the Gatewatch HQ on Ravnica. That's a good point. I mean, this yes. could obviously take place after the whole werewolf thing goes well, on, but it could be taken yeah. before. You're quite right. Yeah, it's only because the statement, I think, says, well, he says, oh, he's never been to Innistrad before, so he starts musing about things. I think this is something we'll talk about in a little mm. bit, because there's a couple of little bits of dialogue and, and hints that are just so nuanced and nice. And this is uh, Shonen's first um, outing in terms of story articles. And then uh, they also wrote the, um, the story article that... Yeah, which accompanied the uh, Zombie Commander deck, which I have yet to read, but having, having loving basically the way, that she, the way they write and the, and the style that they write in. It just kind of really engrossed me, Com combining that with the subject matter that was different to the main storyline, and again giving context and and um, explanation uh, to Ren 
and they're because again they just got dropped in modern in modern masters and no one knew what the fuck they were they had no no context for it whatsoever there was no no, no, no um, nothing no, no details released no home plane given intentions given nothing kind of like grist right i'm kind of expecting grist to get the same kind of thing in a couple of years and we get a random story about them so everyone could be like ah oh, finally now we can now i can now i can have some information to back mm. up my love of this weird quirky character and it's a kind of like a non-humanoid as non as far as a dryad is a non-humanoid yeah i was thinking so, about this i mean we'll talk about it a bit about it a bit later but yeah on the subject of different races getting planeswalker cards that are actually fleshed out i think uh, i think this is a good start cool all right well let's yeah. just do a little quick story outline then for those of you that may have not read it and are listening to this inexplicably or have read it but just want a little refresher this is just literally bullet point by bullet point and then we can dig in things a little bit deeper. So yes, Tangles by Shauna Maguire. Uh, so we open with Ren and Six on Innistrad. Uh, Six is apparently from Innistrad and wants Ren to return them to their home in the Kessig Woods. Uh, when Six finds the appropriate spot, they communicate this to Ren and Ren separates from Six and Six reverts to its inanimate state. Uh, Ren then immediately begins to search for Seven, the next tree mech that they will bond with. Uh, Ren hears the song of a tree calling out to her and follows the sound. And then we move to Teferi, who is with a group of Pathars uh, entering the Kessig Wood, looking for a white witch that has been reported to have been hanging out in the area. Um, whilst Teferi is with the Cathars, he seems that he's only really there to kind of like pass the time and explore Innistrad a little bit. He's not really allied with the Cathars so much as he understands that they're not like the prevailing evil on the plane. And this is a kind of good vehicle for him to see more of the woods without having to necessarily just venture out completely alone. Uh, Teferi then finds Ren away from the Cathars and reasons that she is in fact the White Witch that they have come to find. Uh, after a little bit of a standoff, as is usual with most planeswalkers, uh, Teferi convinces Ren that he is no threat to her. And Ren and Teferi uh, tell each other that why they're there and why they're on the plane. And Teferi learns that Ren needs to find a new tree to survive and share the fire that burns constantly within her, uh, and that she also absorbed uh, the fire after it destroyed the rest of her dried family on her home plane. So that's the kind of burning embers that we see in all the Ren cards. That's actually a fire that they absorbed when their planeswalker spark ignited, and it's the fire that kind of ripped through her home and, and kind of caused her to kind of traverse the, multi, the multiverse. Um, after being attacked by a powerful spectre, Teferi uses his time magic to ward it off, but it inadvertently traps Renan himself in a time bubble, uh, seemingly much in a similar way that he uh, trapped Zalfir in a kind of timeless void as well. He kind of recognises it as being a very sort of similar mistake that he's made. Uh, this leaves Ren with almost no way to follow the song that they've been following to find the tree that is going to be her potential seven, which is bad, because if they don't find a tree in time, they will die. Uh, after failing to physically escape the time paradox, Ren helps Teferi reach out and almost physically interact with the spell that he's created, much in the same way that Ren says that they do their magic. Uh, this also allows Teferi to pick apart the imperfections of his magic and free them, eventually, from the time paradox. As they escape the spell, Ren discovers that the tree she has been uh, singing to, a mere sapling it turns out, uh, has absorbed much of the time magic that Teferi put out there and grown uh, in a matter of seconds into a fully mature tree capable of hosting Ren. Ren and the Seven then depart in the Strad and hint at a promise to Teferi that they could perhaps help with his uh, Zalfir problem and Teferi continues his journey through the haunted plain of Innistrad. Uh, so as I say, that's just a very quick flyby of the events. It's quite a small story. It's mostly conversations. There's not much like combat or big set pieces. Uh, there's one little scuffle that they have with a spectre that emerges from the Kessig Wood. But other than that, there's there's very little going on. Um, 
yeah, really cool. Lots of little details about the multiverse that get chucked in as well. It's not just about where they are now. There's loads of like kind of expanded lore that goes on, right? Yeah, well, the, 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 one of my the main ones that I, I saw, and this is like again why I, I really wanted to talk about this story is that you get little comments um, from Pete from from, from Deferi, and one of the ones I like the most is when he's kind of talking about how um, how different woods in different um, claims kind of like what the different trees they have and he even says that oaks and elms for example could be found almost anywhere um, that had trees and the scent of their leaves never varied as much as he would have expected it mm, to. yeah that I, I picked up on that line too it's a little bit like um when gideon's on kaladesh and he's talking about the, the coffee that he's drinking and he's like well every single mm. plane across the multiverse has a brown frothy bubbly liquid that perks you up <laughs> it's kind of like you know as, as shit changes shit stays the same across the multiverse it seems you know which is really cool yeah like metaphysics i think is one of the biggest things that i find interesting when it comes to like magic because the, the world as much as the stories can be a bit naff or whatever like the world within them as long as they're presented effectively via you know either short story the short stories the novels or by even the cards kind of give you that that livable world i guess um the guidebooks the D guidebooks are kind of like the best example of this recently because they kind of give you a wealth of knowledge and depth of characters and, and lifestyles right of the way that the plane kind of kind of works yeah um, without having it to be mangled together in, in a story that doesn't feel too kitsch or you know too you, you know like the We've had some bad stories in the past, and it kind of undermines the enjoyment of planes a little bit. Whereas this is kind of gives, as you say, that 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 that, that context—not just to the plane, but also to the life of a planeswalker and like the way they view the world. And I feel, I feel like Teferi's one of these, the, like he's got like one of the best voices when done right. I mean, it's so pleasant. He's so old, and yeah, he's still so sympathetic, calm, and kind. Mm. Like his dialogue's always so gentle and engaging. And for someone who's seen so much of time, so many worlds, he was such a sage perspective. Sorin, maybe learn something <laughs> from this man. You know, like yeah. it's amazing, and like it's even commenting. This is again the writing in this is is cannot. I don't think can be understated. Like the the way that Shonen like has through lines through, um, throughout, like kind of talks when the when her and when he and Ren first like introduce their names to each other. Uh, she mentions that his his legend travels further than his feet. And this is echoed several times throughout the story, and it kind of gives him to ferry a bit of gravitas to those so those newbies that didn't necessarily know his full breadth of story mm. relevance or all the things that he's been done uh, he's done. I mean, my man was trapped for, for hundreds of years in a, in a bubble, a time bubble on fire, and like, you know, it's, it's things like that that you're never going to know about or probably pick up on again. So it's nice to kind of get that kind of that um, almost. I don't know. He's 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 almost like um, a legend of himself, uh, beyond himself, right? Yeah, yeah, and for you don't sure. quite get that in the current stories. Whereas yeah. this kind of gives you that little bit of perspective on him, going like, "Oh man, this this guy's a big deal. He's lived a long time, and and yet he's still so." pleasant to listen to the dialogue of well I, th I think so much of the story that we've had of teferi in recent years if we say starting from uh dominaria the set dominaria where we brought back a lot of these characters and teferi got reintroduced to the storyline and all this kind of stuff because that was magic trying to be like look at all these cool old characters that we're going to give like a new lease of life to and we're going to reintroduce them to the story and it's going to be old and new coming together because they were wanted to do that so successfully they gave us a lot of backstory on Teferi and all these characters and a lot of the characters that he interacted with in that little arc, things like, you know, like Joyra and um, Jaya Ballad and all this kind of stuff. They already know Teferi. They already know what he's about. They've either grown up with him or had many adventures with him. And so, you know, as much as you get a sense that this guy's a big deal, he's sort of, you know, joking around with those people as if they're old friends. And, you you know, that that kind of sentiment gets petered out throughout the rest of the, the Nicobolis arc. 
So as you say, it's really cool to see him interacting with planeswalkers who he's had zero interaction with up until this point. Even in his incredibly long lifespan, the multiverse is you know seemingly infinite. There are going to be planeswalkers who have never met him before. But the fact that his name has carried on to all those different planes and people are like, oh, you're Teferi. Oh, right, you're like the planeswalker. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, well, we know who you are. And for the most part, you seem okay. So yeah, you're right. And that motif of his, uh, his stories... Uh, walking further than his feet gets then re uh, flipped around at the very last line of this story which is uh i'm just scrolling all the way down uh which is uh especially to a man whose feet could travel farther than his legend so you know it's this idea that although there are many stories about him he could technically planeswalk to somewhere where people haven't heard of him before you know um and kind of flips around that idea as well so yeah i, I think teferi was well represented in the relationships between other people and i also like and this is something that i think i've said in other media as well i'm not a huge fan of dramatic irony to a point with characters you know like if you see us watch a film or something and there's some misunderstanding and they use that misunderstanding as the catalyst for like two-thirds of an entire plot like someone mm. misheard a conversation or doesn't know that the person they've got a gun pointed at is really their son you know or whatever the hell it is mm. i find that kind of storytelling really lazy and boring so it's nice that when they use that device as an initial like oh there's a bit of tension but very quickly the characters are able to catch up with the audience. We know Teferi's not there to hunt Ren. So Ren very quickly goes, oh, right, you're Teferi. Okay, well, fine, I trust you enough then. So we see that little bit of spark of fire and that spark of, like, I'm a dangerous fucking thing from Ren, but then that's not the whole plot. The plot is about them trying to find Seven. You know, the plot's not about Teferi trying to convince Ren that he's a good guy. We already know he's a good guy. Let's move on. And I think, yeah, it was very, very well used the kind of like misunderstanding through to understanding you know you don't need a whole story yeah. based on it you need one paragraph at most and then you carry on with your stuff you know which is good yeah i think there's almost like a direct line that he says um i'm not if i'm able to find it immediately but it basically says um conflict is like a really bad way to to meet somebody mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's almost like every single opportunity for there to be conflict here it was kind of dis like even when he's trying to handle that specter right because they get followed and this like abomination comes at him and the way he deals with it's like oh, i'll just send you through forward in time i'm not gonna fight you i'm just gonna let you die it's gonna yeah. let you like accelerate your lifespan and, and just kind of become non-existent you know find oblivion as it were like that's a very teferi way of handling the problem he doesn't want to have to you know slash and fight or burn or kill he's just it's 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 let's resolve the problem kind of quickly and as, as, as easily within his capability as possible which i guess is his own character flaw right because we then and this is one of the main reasons i want to talk about this because i think it's gonna be massive going into dominaria uh, united um and that's Zalfir's probably getting phased back, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's such an amazing thing. If you didn't read this story, I mean, it gets it, right. I guess it's the um, there's like a, a, a gulf between. It. If if you're so into the story uh, that you really want Zalfir to come back, you manage to not be into the story enough to read this story. I don't really know where you are in terms of your commitment <laughs> to magic story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? But if you do, for example, miss... Because it's a side story, right? It's just a random side story. And a lot of um, the old school entrenched uh, magic um, fans, especially story fans, are kind of a little bit over the current story. They might not feel like it's got the same gravitas or the same needle. Or they, they might just want to pay attention to it anymore because it's kind of let them down a lot. This is a very easy thing to skip over and to miss. And I think it's a massive uh, flag. Because basically the way that Ren's magic works, it allowed to kind of talk 
um, organically about the inner workings of it. And it's funny because the way she talks about it and then the way that we see Teferi interacting with it are two very different languages of magic. Because mm. she talks about being able to absorb it in and the flow of magic and it's kind of like water and it washes over you. Whereas the magic, and when Teferi's talking about it, he sees it like the minute hand ticking slightly out of synchronicity or like the neck of an hourglass letting one too many grains of sand through, that kind of idea. It's the, the way they communicate their understanding of I mean, magic. I it's a very really white, blue versus green, red way of looking at things. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's exactly what you would expect from those mages, right? Oh, that's true. Of... I hadn't even thought about that, to be fair. I, I, I was thinking more about just the fact that he, the way he is a, a time mage and the fact that she is, you know, a dryer. But yeah, of course, the, the, the manner that they channel. and the, Maybe each mana channel is channeled slightly differently as well. Maybe this is a really good example of how blue magic kind of appears i mean i guess everyone has their own interaction with it right i don't necessarily think that um jace would have the same interaction with that kind of um with 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 the magic but maybe that is kind of like how blue mana manifests itself more sure. readily than how red and green mana manifests itself well i think this readily. is something that the uh, the boom series of comics which are non-canon to be fair but the boom series of comics i know that they've done a thing where we see uh, each of the main planeswalkers in that which are ralph rasker and kaya they have like little visions of mana and traveling through the multiverse and the, the panels show them all having incredibly different experiences so you're probably pro- it probably is different from planeswalker to planeswalker but in terms of its intent, whereas like the blue and white would see things as kind of methodical problems to to kind of eke out and and sort of you know like a like a clockmaker right pulling apart a clock and putting it back mm-hmm. together again, whereas yeah an, an, a nature dr- dryad who is also a planeswalker would probably see things as like a, a tangible like brush that, uh, brush that they need to like unpick and you know formulate and find the little opening where the branches don't quite meet as they say and from there try and solve the problem and this in fact is turns out to be what helps solve the issue and mm. you know this is this i don't know if this is what was a larger intent but it, it is a nice little wrinkle to be like this is why there are five colors of mana this is why you know it's not any one color color in the magic universe seems to be dominant you know it's not just every plane is ruled by a blue mage because blue is objectively the best there are different perspectives of things and it's just really interesting that a uh, a planeswalker as ancient and as powerful as Teferi, even without having old walker status, can still learn something new from a, a type of planeswalker that he's never encountered before. Probably a race of planeswalker in a planeswalker state that he's probably never encountered before. Because he does have knowledge of dryads, and he probably interacted with a bunch of them, but I doubt he's probably ever met a planeswalker that is also a dryad. So the fact that he's learned something new to the point where he even thinks, ah, this could solve the literal biggest mistake of my entire existence. This could help rectify Mm. that. The thing that's defined him for the past millennia, you know, is him losing Zalfir into a time paradox that he can't quite rectify. And he could never figure out why. And so for this to be like a potential way to fix that is, is quite a thing. Um, And it's, yeah, it's kept very quiet. It's kept very understated. It's in a side story for a character that isn't part of the main arc. So people want to go, oh yeah, Ren and Six, whatever, that spooky ghost thing on, on that spooky tree thing on that card from, you know, wherever that was modern modern horizons i think it was i think it was modern horizons one yeah that yeah. absurd expensive card that everyone's playing i don't understand why it's so good yeah, so yeah. i can't get hold of Fucking a copy so who cares um right exactly. <laughs> um so yeah really yeah. really cool i think it's really really nice as well that we learn that uh things about innistrad in terms of the the larger multiverse for example that six as in renin six which was the first card that we saw is a tree from Kessig, as was four, a previous uh, tree that the Dryad kind of synced up with, and as is seven. And that the idea that Kessig, <laughs> according to most planeswalkers, is where the best trees grow. So, like, people who know Innistrad go, oh yeah, the Kessig wood in, in Innistrad, that's where you find the best trees. Now, that's a nice little story beat. I would disagree. 
Yeah, I was thinking, like, who the fuck decided that? Like, well, like, you have places like Pyrulia and Zendikar and, like, literally anywhere where elves are, surely there are better trees. There are no elves on Innistrad. <laughs> like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? We've never heard Kessig's never been lauded as being, like, Kessig. oh, the, the, the most... Yeah, of all the of all the places. It's like going to, like, the English winds and going, this, these are the best trees in the world. And it's like, have you been to America? Yeah, have you, been have to you a seen the size? Yeah. Have you seen the size of these trees? Like, what are you talking about? I mean, I guess, yeah, it's, it's, I guess that was, yeah, a strange, a strange flavor me. But I guess it, it might just be for her needs, right? Yeah. Like, it might be that it's easier to communicate and um and synchronize as, as she calls it as their song right um and we get another a lovely kind of this is why magic's cool as well because it gets it delves into thick questions that you might have in the real world about like how do trees communicate are they mm-hmm. trying to communicate with us this idea and, and it kind of goes well we don't have to use science to prove or disprove it we can be like fuck yeah they do and then kind of lean into 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 Ren's uh, stages of the dry to kind of give us that wind of opportunity as well as kind of then expanding her character as well because we have no idea who the hell, hell she was and we still des- necessarily don't we don't get a lot of like facts which is quite nice we don't find out how old she is that we know she's quite old like i think it's deliberately stated a couple of times about how long she stays with her um as you call them tree mechs um <laughs> yeah. so i think there's a chance that she's also potentially old walker because i think we're still at like what 100 years after the mending if that so i feel like dryads probably last quite a long time and obviously have maybe some degree of length and lifespan regardless so i think that she's potentially also got like an old walker kind of status this could also still have been back before the mending again we don't we have no time frame or context for it so it doesn't necessarily matter but yeah the idea that we get kind of to hear how the trees communicate together and there's a statement a fantastic little statement um trees because this is when she's um, talking about um she's referring to six from from his perspective and then it's a little aside saying trees had no genders as such but dryads did and upon discovering the concept in her mind, he, being being um, six, had considered his choices and decided he preferred the masculine. Yeah. That's so cool. It's kind of like mirrors the way that we saw Arlen and her wolf pack kind of communicating, specifically saying that it's not like normal human language, right? It's, it's almost like an insinuation. It's yeah. an understanding. It's a thought process that links together. Um, and, and again, like we don't get these opportunities because normally when we're following planeswalkers, they're just dudes dudes who go up and, and cut down the trees and, and and use them for wood for a fire rather than sure. a dryer that that you know synergizes with them and can actually communicate with them i kind of so, like the idea as well that um as you said with the wolves in in ireland's pack that writers are starting to to really play with the idea that the sort of more humanoid races do have things that they can teach the more natural like less sentient ones i suppose um it's a very lazy thing again that you know in any fantasy setting the humans are just the worst do you know what I mean? They're not the fastest yeah. or the strongest. They're the most cruel and they're generally not the brightest, blah, 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 blah. Or their their concepts of morality are like outdated. You know, whenever, whenever there's an elf in a story, the elves are always basically just better humans. Um, so I do quite like the the kind of harmoniousness of the idea that the tree doesn't reject the idea of gender, gendered pronouns or whatever. They kind of go, oh, that's an interesting thing. Well, I guess I'd be a he then. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's a nice, mm. like, they work together. It's not just the dryad being like, oh, I need a tree to survive. Teach me tree. Like, you know, it's it's a partnership, right? Um, and I also yeah. like the idea that uh, that Ren describes in the story that there is a little bit of pain about Six not wanting to continue on because Six could go on without Ren. Six doesn't need Ren to be a tree, but Ren does need Six or another tree to be a functioning dryad and to planeswalk around. So there's, there is this kind of ennui about Ren that although... Ren will listen to Six and will absolutely understand their wants to go back to the Innistrad forest. 
there is this idea that almost there's like a rejection going on. Like six is done with Ren, and so Ren needs to find something else. But there's this respect of nature that you know Ren Ren could maybe force six to keep going, but won't even if it's a kind of rejection. It's not. It's not. It's not at all. It's a, yeah, as you say, it's a partner. Like you don't want to be. It's, she said she doesn't want to use them as like a beast of burden. And I feel like it's almost like it's a gift that she's offering them. Right? It's a view of other planes, of other worlds, um, of other of other horizons, new woods, new 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 soil. Um, it's also kind of funny when 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 she's forming with seven. It's almost like the tree itself kind of has to, as as, as quoted, unfold into a tree folk. Like it's not a tree folk naturally, no. but once Remba like, kind of absorbs themselves into, into the tree, it kind of takes on that, that, that humanoid characteristic. It pulls its feet from the ground, you know, it, it extends its branches out. It's such a, a it's such a cool concept um, for a character that we again had no understanding of. And I'm not, a lot of people really wanted to know because it was a very, I, mean, I, think, I think at first people were like, well, how does how does it work? And, it's, and again, we didn't really know. And the fact that it's, it feels like such a um, symbiotic relationship that she needs the tree to survive and then the tree provide, you know, gets given a little adventure, go, go, go to explore the worlds and brings back stories for, 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 for all its friends when it's, when it's finally finished. I think that's quite cute. I find that quite cute. Like, as, as you said as well, three different out of the seven trees being from Innistrad's, like kind of really nice. It kind of grounds Ren way more than I expected to because we don't find out her home plane at all. And it's, it, it kind of felt out of place. I'm like, well, why Innistrad of all places? And I guess Keswick has the best trees. Um, it's a good explanation. Yeah, sure. But it is quite nice to have another planeswalker tied to Innistrad, kind of like how Liliana is, right? Like Liliana's not from Innistrad, but has tied is tied massively to an Australian very itself. much like, how nice Jace isn't from Ravnica and yet he considers it his second home. There seems to be a lot Precisely. of that going on where planeswalkers kind of adopt a new home. I guess because as they keep using, a lot of their planes get destroyed. A lot of their planes get destroyed <laughs> or they experience some kind of trauma which ignited their sparks. They don't want to go back, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah I guess that makes sense. Um I don't think Ren is probably from a plane that we know of where dryads are just yet. I reckon they're probably from a completely different plane we've never seen before. Only because of the way that they look as a dryad. Like they're definitely not a dryad from, say, Strixhaven. Uh, or rather Arcavios, I suppose. Um they're definitely not a Therosian like dryad because uh, even though mm. even though obviously their appearance is informed by the fact that they've got an eternal ember burning in their chest they do look a little bit too spooky to be part of any of the dryads that we've seen before um yeah they're definitely not ravnican for example no exactly which, which ravnican dryad still makes no sense to me it's a city-wide plane <laughs> you've got dryads like come on <laughs> i mean well how are they going to do any sort of green guild if they don't try and yeah exactly right yeah. And also I the dryads the on Ravnica, the dryads on Ravnica are like the city ra- dryads, though, aren't they? Because they're essentially just humanoid, like with bushy hair. So, you know, I think they kind of get away with it. Um, yeah, true, true. I also think it's nice um, that, that with Teferi hasn't really learned, it's like he's still fucking up magic after all these all these years. And I guess yeah. it's because it's also understated. I think it's understated in the story that the reason this happens isn't because Teferi is bad at magic. It's because the abomination was really powerful mm. and kind of pushed against him and he kind of had to overload the spell. I think the words were he had to push more magic through his fingers. And it's I think that's what the biggest thing about the way the voice um, that um, Sean is kind of like talking through in this story is it seems very understanding or wanting or willing to like explain in succinct terms like all of the things that normally get glossed over for the for the people the people talky action bits of of normal magic stories of where it's all about like what the person's doing where they it's it's not less about what the person is where they come from more about like what makes up the world kind of around them what how, how the functionality of everything works and again i think i think they do a very very good job of explaining it all like nothing nothing feels too 
like so I found a, I found the issue with the Midnight Hunt stories that it were very it jumped about a lot. The voice was really cool, but I didn't get any feel like clear direction. It kind of felt like it was very spasmatic in kind of how it was moving around. And even when it tried to do something a little bit interesting, like the flashbacks, it just kind of got confused and muddied. Whereas this seemed like I, I mean I need to look at what other work they've done. Um, and I need definitely to read that other story back, um, back uh, the um, zombie one because it, I feel like this is a great voice for magic. Like, and we might see them a lot more in the future, especially handling characters like you know Teferi or the Brothers. You know, because we're going to be going to the Brothers, um, uh, the, the the Brothers War um, next year, and that's a set that's going to have to be very carefully handled. Cause you're going to have to kind of like recanonize the story in a way that doesn't feel like it but breaks it open. But also, you got to give people like Urza and Mishra like a voice that that holds true to the character we kind of know them to be whilst also kind of giving them a new breath of Being life. Being a little right? bit likable and readable and people aren't just How do go, you write Urza? Yeah, like, right? oh, so you're just a genocidal <laughs> madman. That's apparently the quote-unquote hero of the story. Like, how are we going to make that person any sort of, like, protagonist we want to follow? Because they they have to make them the protagonist because in that story, Mishra is the antagonist. <laughs> so yeah. who the fuck do we side with? Like, yeah. It's just a mess, absolute mess. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I feel like I'm this is a great. Psyched for it. I think that it's going to be. If they pull it off, it's going to be a hell of a thing. It is exactly. I feel like it's great to have writers like this, where I kind of feel like the faith is renewed. Because there are a lot of writers that I'm like, oh, you've kind of made this person sound like a douche. Like I feel like a lot of the problem with the gate, which is that they've been handled by so many writers trying to give that 2D caricature of them that we just never got any real character development. Or if we did get character development with someone like Jace, he just mind wipes himself every set, so it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Again, like, I just—it's funny to have such a long-standing character and a new character kind of both thrown together. And I think that was the biggest thing that kind of, kind of I took away from this uh, from this story was this, that we knew so much about Teferi, yet we still get a little bit more context of him. Again, we reintroduce him to the newer audiences, and then Ren and uh, Ren and Six, or well, Ren in general, is a new character that we don't have any any understanding of whatsoever. And yet, as a, from a fast outing, we've got a lot of time for. I really want to see. I really want to see what they're going to get up to and what they're going to do in the future. I also wonder if we're going to get find out if it was you know Nicol Bolas that set the spark of that fire, or if it was an accident, or whether we're not going to go back to home, um, her home plane, or I what it means. I kind of hope it's future. an accident. I kind of hope it's just one of those natural life and death cycles. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. so much of like the the machinations of the multiverse seems to have been, especially in recent years, for obvious narrative reasons, have all been like, oh, it was a demon that works for Nicol Bolas that just happened to also be interacting with everyone else. Oh, it was Nicol Bolas who turned this whole plane on its head and fucked off oh it was this character that we just met who was the problem for everyone else so i kind of hope that it is it is just like the natural life and death cycle of a plane that this spark wielding dryad just happened to kind of you know be a part of and therefore had their spark ignite you know um so yeah i mean we'll see i never really considered it i I just kind of yeah i wonder i mean they'll probably make it some kind of big plot point you know and then it'll be yeah be part of i mean i think I feel like there's no way that they don't come back in Dominaria. I feel like you've planted the seeds. Not um, <laughs> you've planted the seeds. So shut up. <laughs> you've planted. It's, like, it's it's so like, it's so obviously set up, kind of to to for her to come come back. So I think it says in the end, like um, oh she. Da, 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 da. Uh, and there we're well met mage i wish you all the peace or whatever you came here to find i will aid you if i can in the future but for now i've promised seven lands outside of innistrad and i must keep my word yeah. so i feel like that's kind of a that's very much a statement of brb brb i'll see you in a little bit i'm gonna go and have a little bit of fun um but then yeah i'll come i'll come back and give you a helping hand um yeah i think it's also nice to see teferi kind of 
weary of company <laughs> like it says at the beginning of uh, um how uh, Innistrade uh, folk are so as much as they're averse to outsiders to begin with as soon as they realize that outsider isn't going to wish them harm they they cover it almost as if like it's, it's almost an opportunity of, of yeah. salvation right God, so every single Innistrade is like is there somewhere else is there somewhere else that's better than this please anywhere else better and it was like laments at the idea of that some people are like stuck on their planes like to their misery and to their, their like, to the life that they're kind of born into whereas he has kind of like it doesn't even consider it to be like oh lucky me lucky me it's like it's just interesting that some of us can move away from the problems you know whereas other ones are kind of stuck with them and it's almost like he's wearied by the end of it of all of these of all of the attention it's quite nice for him to just go like oh you know just let's go for a wander in the woods he's such an old man you know he's such a typical old man it's like oh these damn kids all their noise like oh i'm just gonna go on a little adventure in the woods so don't wander off grandpa too late he's already wandered off mm-hmm. <laughs> i was like for all intents and purposes had ren not been there he would have been stuck in that fucking wood bubble for, for forever, forever. Because he even uh, says like he yeah. might have thousands of. He says there was, he might have gone over the spell a thousand times without Ren's assistance and not been able to see the fault in it to be able to get himself out of there. See, I think he even said that he tried to push against the uh, bubble, but his um with his with his spark, and he felt his like kind of sizzle and crackle back against him, um, which is an interesting, again, a very interesting insight into how like his time bubbles work and whether or not they'd work on other planeswalkers and such. Mm, yeah, I wonder if he'd have had to have used his magic in that specific way had Ren not been with him. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm. Yeah, interesting thought. I hadn't quite considered that. Um, he's quite a lucky man, isn't he, Teferi? There's been there's he's been lots really there's yeah. been lots of times where he's either fucked up or someone else has fucked up around him, and he's dealing with like as magic goes, like temporal magic is probably some of the most dangerous. So yeah, good god, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I mean, we don't we're still not entirely. I mean, is it? I need to double check his um, exact story. Is he just straight up immortal from now on? I know that no, obviously Joyra no, has... he does age, but it's just... Yeah, like, but it's, it's now just super, super, super slowly, right? Because I know that Joria had the uh, time water or whatever. Kind yeah, of that, like that, that, that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like sort. Yeah, well, he went into like a magical pool, right? He he got doused in the in the fountain of youth. But that fucking Dominary is so crazy. Oh, that, that's not the same time water. <laughs> yeah, the same. Joyra same has, water. Is it? Is it? No, no, there no you I go. think she Fucking invented hell. her. I think she invented her own. Yeah, exactly. Right. This, I think we even said this Ugh. when we were talking about Dominaria. It's like, Dominaria how many different sucks. ways are there to be immortal? <laughs> it's, so, it's so convoluted and nonsensey. But yeah, again, like, um, it's just a really good explanation of her magic as well. The way that she, she almost like seems to, she doesn't have her own. We didn't see her aggressive magic, even though there was like a spark of like fire and heat above her hands, which is obviously the fire that she has internalized. But I think otherwise, like, I like to think of her magic as like synergy magic. Because that's what she does with her mechs is she synergizes with them and then her, she was able to kind of bolster and synergize with, with Teferi to kind of give him the strength and the power to kind of push back against his own spell. So I'll be interested to see how that works in future. Because I don't think a planeswalker really gave away much other than lands, lands and free folk, you know, which and on, yeah. on, on another note, I literally had a copy of Arrive yesterday and the card's beautiful. And again, oh, which one? I think they're uh, Ren and Seven. Which, which printer? I, I had to get one for Teferi. Uh, the alt art one. The oh, see, I, I pulled one of those from a booster pack and I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is like a 40 quid card. I have no use for it. <laughs> yeah, it's really weirdly niche. So obviously it goes in my 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 Tassica's extra deck, which is sure, why I need to be sure. the alt art, obviously. Um, um, yeah. How do we feel about the concept that Ren... I mean, not the concept that Ren needs a tree to planeswalk. That I kind of get because it's like, you know, they're, they're one half of a hole and then it's only when they feel at full strength that they can planeswalk. Because we know that planeswalkers can only planeswalk if they're like basically like free to. That's why they don't always just mm. blip out all the time is because if they're under stress or if they're literally being punched in the face, they don't have quite the concentration needed to just warp away. Um, but how do we feel about the fact that effectively Ren is taking a living thing from plane to plane? <sighs> 
so I feel like they went to a great length in this story to specifically um, make it understand that if there isn't consent and, and like given by the tree, if there isn't, if she doesn't offer autonomy to the tree to go look, this is this is a gift I'm trying to offer you, but you don't have to take it. I feel like it was very much stated that she was willing to die over over forcing a tree to go with her. Yes, yeah, the consent thing's a, a big deal, but I also mean the fact that for the longest time, and indeed the plot point of many of the older stories, like Khan and Urza, the idea that you can't take living matter across the blind eternities is a big deal. Oh, I see. Deal. Well, no, they fucked that up with Kaya, though, well, didn't so, they? Well, like, Kaya has the ability to do it, and that's something to do with her ghost form magic. And then Mowu and Jing Yang Mowu is able to follow Jing Yang around, leading to people thinking that it's actually Mowu the dog who's the walker. Yeah. yeah, but then he might be made of stone because he gets called a stone dog. So there's all these kind of like little niche cases. But even as I guess as Ixalan, we had uh, Huatli try and take some empanadas from plane to plane, and they dissolve. Sure. <laughs> like so, yeah, yeah. What I'm saying is, is are we just accepting that? Once Ren is bonded with a tree, that the tree shares the spark completely enough to yes, board, that's right? why I think okay, so. Okay. I think the idea is that the the fire within her is almost like it's burning her spark too bright, and she needs that spark to be contained within a vessel. Ooh, that's and nice. then the the yeah. tree the tree met kind of provides her with that that extra strength. But it, again, this is where she, where, she, where she's saying, "Oh, it's a gift. Like, I'm offering you this opportunity. If you are now hosting with me as a planeswalker together, you know, I don't feel like if I, I, you would never get a seven card." Right, this is why the sure. planeswalker is Ren and six. The planeswalker is Ren and seven. Yes, the planeswalker is Ren, but without the six, without the seven, she can't planeswalk. She's just a planes. She is a planeswalker, but without the ability to walk because it, it just she can't she can't do it alone. Yeah, I feel like it, it's again that you it becomes one entity, even if it's two separate um, like cogn- cognizant consciousnesses. Yeah, so that was that was a mouthful. Yeah, no, I get that. Cool. Yeah. All right. Okay. I just, I just yeah. wondered if that's where we were landing on it because they do seem to be playing a bit faster and looser with that concept. Understandably so, because it's fa- it's very set yourself rules. boring. Yeah, yeah right. you set you yourself rules, and then you're like, well, how do I get around this? I desperately want this other character to be on a different plane. <laughs> um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I, I think... feel like they wrote themselves into a corner, and this is probably the best explanation. This is the one that I didn't even think of. I was like, yeah, fine. Like the Kaya thing, I think is the most bullshit. Like, oh, I can just grant this power to someone else. Well, doesn't like, she uh, ghost okay. forms them, right? But then, even, yeah, even under Kaya's lazy, own law, she can't completely ghost form. Otherwise, that that's too dangerous. She has to keep some part. Of yeah, she stop breathing and stuff like this. Yeah. So bizarre. I mean, again, this is where if you do a story and you explain the metaphysics of it properly, like with this within this, we I will accept anything. You could, you could, you could, you could spill any amount of schluck down my throat and I will swallow it because I don't mind because you've done it in an effective fashion. You've given it a good context. You, I know wording. Right, I'm sorry. Uh, magic story, <laughs> schluck that you pour down my throat. <laughs> <laughs> But I feel like sometimes it does feel like that. It's like you're trying to like force it. And I'm like, no, I don't want any more broccoli. Stop it. Um, yeah, it doesn't. I feel like some of it can feel very. It feels like sometimes the author hasn't understood it themselves. They just kind of have to go, oh, well, if you say this is how it works, I guess I'll write it. Whereas I feel like Shonen's done a great job of, of, of being told that this is kind of how it works and then kind of fathomed it within their own understanding of the story yeah. and then discussed it and, and explained it, which I think is why it works so well and it comes across so well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I guess I guess that does make a lot of sense. Have they also painted themselves, this isn't necessarily to do with magic stories so much, but have they painted themselves in with the convention of 
uh, we've had Renan 6 as a card. And then the naming convention is the same for Renan 7, which was obviously a nice little reveal of going, oh, hello, like Renan 7. Like, obviously, the idea of it being 6 gave us very clear indication that they have multiple tree mechs. But the fact that the next mm. card is a different tree is nice, and that kind of gives a little bit of narrative without almost saying anything. If they do do another Ren card, it has to be Ren and eight. Like they can't stop it. Oh, two. funny. I was thinking Ren and thirteen, right? Or well, whatever, or whatever. Like we, no, but you can skip it. But what I'm saying is, you can't do like Ren and seven, like tree buddies. Do you know what I mean? You can't do like a little because they will do like <laughs> you know Chandra Torch of Defiance or Chandra Ablaze or whatever. They can't do like Ren and seven like reunited or some bollocks. So it's going to have to be. Ren and eight or Ren and thirteen, yeah. which means that we know yeah. that Ren that seven will die or not be with them anymore. Do you know what I mean? They, I mean they've now depends. ruined it. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it depends if Ren, what Ren's arc does, right? Because Ren might find somewhere that she wants to stay at. At that point, at that point she's no longer a planeswalker. She might like root herself. And she also might find a, res- a, relu- a resolution to the fire within her. Um, again, we we don't really know what her intentions outside of this specific. I'm I need a new tree buddy was like we don't know what her whether she's just roams naturally around or if she oh, has like mean, yeah. um, obligations or things like that we don't actually know her intentions outside of i need to replant six I mean, what does any planeswalker really need to do it's big question right big question because a lot of them are new a lot of them are still young we've only seen them kind of handling the current conflict that their, their spark caused or was caused from and then kind of resolving it and then we're like okay well now i guess we're just here forming the gate watch like with there's very few planeswalkers we have that we know either the attention we knew the full story arc off of with that well, i guess it's things like T- tibble and the wonder right like what are they doing that oh, doesn't matter we'll pick them up when we need no, it but i have a lot of of, i have a lot of respect for planeswalkers such as uh davriel kane for example who they're not i mean as far as we know we know they have a past but as of right now they're not necessarily trying to go off and save some plane or like do some big grand gesture they just want to sit in their castle and drink wine with their like you know glib demonic secretary you know i have a lot of respect for that this is why you see like yeah. TV shows like uh like uh, this is this might be lost on some of our um on our, our non UK listeners but shows like Made in Chelsea or indeed like I guess things like um the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills whatever those kinds of shows are where they're literally just rich people who on these reality TV shows have no conflict in their life because they have all the money and opportunity and comfort they could ever want and so it's manufactured for them through like fabricated love yeah. lives or some kind of perceived slight that any other reasonable person in the world would just go oh that's a life thing i guess i'll deal with that because i've got to go to my job and earn money so i don't die (laughs) right (laughs) and i feel planeswalkers are in the same category of going if you're nigh on immortal have the powers of a god and complains walk to literally any plane in the multiverse you have no problems like in your moment your current life like i don't care how much trauma you had that led to this moment you're pretty fine so because especially compared to say a pauper on innistrad <laughs> like you know like a peasant who's literally being attacked by werewolves and vampires and probably some kind of disease as well like you know you're doing okay so they have to fabricate these big old problems by being like oh no i have to go and save this plane no you don't no, you don't. What a burden! Oh, I've got to be the savior. <laughs> I guess. I guess the flip side to that is we saw. Um, oh fuck! What's the tr- what's the bonder? The bonder's name? Um, Luca. Luca. We saw him in a situ- similar situation, right? Where he was just kind of like wandering with no direction. He kept getting like faced by like he was. I mean, I guess he could have just planes walked to a different plane, but everywhere he was going in um, Aquarius was uh, Aquarius. Arcadius. Okay, Arcavius, good God. Um, everything that was going kind of on there, like it kind of felt like he was just a stray wandering and like no one was willing to take him in. And I, that was almost like the opposite side of a place where I can't go back home 
because my home is alien to me and I'm a danger there and I don't really like the place there. And it's like, but I have no hope and I have no other place to necessarily go to because you can't planeswalk without knowing where you're going to, right? Mm. If you're just, a new, if you're a, right, if you're a new planeswalker having not interacted with other planeswalkers, how do you explore the blind alternatives? Or do you, are you just stuck on the pl- first place you land on and kind of go, well, I guess this is now second home until I figure out what the, what the hell's going on. I mean, that and is I the like... story of a lot of them, isn't it? That was a story yeah, of Jace. I guess it's... When Jace went to Ravnica, True. he was like, well, shit. And he actually hung out with the Gruul clans. And then that's where he got those tattoos from, you know. Um, yeah. That is kind of what happens. I mean, I'd, see, what you've done there is you've taken my sort of very quite mean-spirited jab at planeswalkers as being incredibly privileged and making up their problems, <laughs> and you've given them actual problems that doesn't do need to be sorted out and cared for, and it just so happens that, you know, planeswalkers are people too. So thanks for that, because now you've just made me look like a dick. <laughs> no, not at all. You know, it's fine to compare them to the f- fucks from Maiden and Chelsea. There is certainly some privilege. I, I did the same thing of where you're like, you've got some that are like Teferi, and you've got some that are like Sorin, and the, it's nice to have the comparison. But I feel like, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of these things we don't really get because the overarching, and this isn't me saying we need to focus more on planeswalkers, okay, because that's not what I mean. <laughs> but sometimes the story of the plane is so important and it's like you have to hit the plot points. I feel like sometimes the planeswalkers, their, their characters naturally just kind of have to hold on and see where they go. They don't really get an, a chance to kind of like decide for themselves whether they do or don't help with the conflict. It's like, well, there's this fuck off big thing going on and all five of you said you want to do it. So I guess I have to do it as well. I don't want to be the dickhead, you know. So I guess it kind of falls sometimes in between both, right, of where you do have an obligation but at the same time it's not it's you do have the free will to just kind of go fuck it i'm just going to go and do my own thing mm. if i want to and we don't tend to see that one that side of it as often because it's less quote unquote interesting but for a story like this where very little happens like like you know a random planeswalker that we didn't know anything about for intents and purposes has no interaction with many any any arcs or main plot points needs to find a new tree good and oh look to fairy did a spell wrong again like that's all that fucking happens mm. and yet it's infinitely more interesting than following some cataclysmic global crisis isn't that interesting like the best i think we've said this several times the best stories of recent sets have been those kind of quieter ones like for example the um the one that jumps to mind is the story from uh from Strixhaven, where uh, Liliana is talking to Bellatros Witherbloom, and it's just a conversation. Mm. It's just a conversation about the morality of necromancy, and that's just so much more engaging than insect beasts trying yeah. to take over the pew, pew, pew. Yeah, exactly. Mage hunters! Yeah, like, yeah, like they would, uh, faceless fiend! Yeah, who cares? Like, whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah, I that's guess that's the point, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is the main reason why, I, I think I feel like we're probably coming to like a nice uh, conclusion. We've wandered around a lot, um, but um, this, I think that's the reason why this jumped out at me is it kind of gave a lot of information that was just unnecessary. But it now I've now I have it. I'm like, man, I'd be really, I'm really glad that, the, that they're willing to give us these kinds of stories. Yeah. Just do, do, they just they bulk out the fluff because if you don't bulk out the fluff and, and you don't give us novels, then everything feels so superfluous. Mm. Like you you just dash into planes, especially recently when we're not quite doing block structure anymore. It's like I don't, I barely have time to figure out what a courier is and whether I like it before we're like, oh, Whiplash, Strixhaven, mm. oh, Whiplash, New Capernia. It's like, okay, cool. Can I can I work it out yet? No? All right, fine. I guess we're back into Neon Dynasty, Bright Lights in Kamigawa. Got, you know, like, fucking hell, calm down, slow down. And these are the kind of stories where, and again, maybe the side stories is why we, and this is why we like the side stories a lot more, is that because they do just give that little bit of fluff, that little bit of, of, of context, a little bit of world building that you otherwise don't get. Um, well, this is, this is how shame. they used, yeah, this is how they used the the online fiction for a long time when they did, like, yeah. uh, like for example, we did the book club. The ver- first MTG book club episode we did was on Family Values, which was just that little um, Tajik and uh, Taser Karloff story 
where mm. although it did have ramifications in terms of where the characters ended up in stories later down the line it was effectively just a side story but it was when you know the online fiction maybe didn't have quite as much direction or structure they were going well we're not actually doing anything like big story arc wise well let's just do an individual article about this person let's just do an individual article about kiki jiki and like the dragon and that explains his card so now the fact that they're actually uh, formatting these side stories into the release structure of the online fiction i said it when they first did it and I'll keep saying it now, is a is a really good idea. It does somewhat give you a lot to read straight from the off. Like, I know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a lazy reader, so having two story articles to read each week is a lot for me to kind of fit around my life and all the other media that I consume, you know, and that, that's, that's going to make me sound very childish <laughs> to some people who read, like, books in a week. Um, but it is, yeah. no, for me. Um, too many words. Brain too, too dumb dumb, mate. Yeah, do it. <laughs> well, do a YouTube video. Do a YouTube video. I can't read this at two and a half times speed. Like, <laughs> imagine if you could read it to. Uh, to be fair, that's that's um that's um skim reading, isn't it? And it just doesn't. It just doesn't fucking work. Well, not when you're trying to absorb narrative. No. Um, no exactly. But yeah, no. I, I I agree. This is exactly how you should use a side story. It's exactly how you should write planeswalkers without making them feel too planeswalkery as well. Like the big problem with planeswalkers is that well, are there any real consequences to what they do? Because they can just fuck off somewhere else. Mm. So the fact that they do keep it very small and they do keep it very tied to the situation that they are in, like it. If you took away any concept of them being planeswalkers, this is just a temporal mage and a dryad in a bit of a pickle, and this is how they got to sort it out. And that's perfect. That's fine. Um, so yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah. Good. Good. Thumbs up. My only final statement. Yeah. Thumbs up. My final statement that you're going to really hate is that if Ren needs the tree to survive and the tree's like a mech, doesn't that just make Ren Tony Stark and the tree an Iron Man? <laughs> yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. So Ren is now. Ren's okay, Iron good. Man. I've got my I've got I've, I've got my Iron Man in my um, Joda Infinity War uh, deck. Oh, do you I've know what? Figured out who I am. War Machine. <laughs> I think Ren is also quite War, War Machine. Yeah, especially yeah, post Civil War. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. What, yeah, gun mounted uh, Ren and Eight, please. <laughs> in in come, incoming when like, 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 wait, a, wait acorn guns because there are metal trees. What yeah? What what tree is it? What is it playing that has eight, uh, metal trees? Is it is it Alara where the yeah, but also Alara, I think, started the Ethereum side infusing in with Naya and the trees started becoming like metal. Oh, oh that would be fucking sick. Oh, wizards now, please make could, it happen. Could we could we see like a, a team uh, a team uh, uh Ren on either Alara or uh Mirrodin? Oh man, that'd be so cool. Yeah. A Phyrexianized Ren and so anyway, we we we're going we we're, we're, we're oh, well, You can say that about anything. Though. You can say that about any character. Oh, what yeah. about a Phyrexianized <laughs> Jace? Oh, what about a Phyrexianized Chandra? Yeah. Well, yeah. normally I used to think that was cool, and now they just they slap that 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 fucking subtype onto every every Phyrexian ish card. Oh, get over it! it. I think me. it's good. It's yeah, good. So it is what it is. It's a hill I'm going to die on. I know. It, no shit. It, it is what it is. I'd have to be happy is. about it. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> um, cool. They're never going to give it to us. I'm going to have to keep getting angry about it. Phyrexia when wizards. Phyrexia. Uh, um, I'm glad also that yes, this is a dryad planeswalker, and that they've they've kept mm. using them as well. Because yeah, also like Grist, where they're not necessarily a humanoid. Although it's it's kind of one fence sitting, isn't it? Because no, they're not humanoids. But I mean, dryads are humanoids to a point, and Grist is a yeah. collection of insects that oh happens to take the form of a humanoid skeleton. Hmm. They could have strange, they could have taken, right? Mm. Could have taken any form. 
anything. It could take a no form. It could have just been a mass of bugs. Why yeah. did you have to make it, oh, look, I can relate to it because it's got a skull. Yeah. Ugh. Well, we're getting closer. We're getting closer to them doing we're something. We're getting there, we're like, getting there. You know, like yeah. a Vyoshino planeswalker or even a centaur planeswalker. You know, it's still humanoid, but it's got horse legs. <laughs> anything. Yeah, if it's got it's a face, make, give it a spark. Yeah, if it's got a face, give it a spark. We're happy. <laughs> <laughs> give us Leviathan planeswalker. <laughs> Don't like t- this is the thing, right? The Talon Gates was a giant Leviathan planeswalker. But do never we even know that's true? Explained. That might not be true. Well, we, now it might be hearsay, right? This is the thing. They're uncanonizing even their coolest bits of flavor. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> um. But they're uncanonizing <laughs> it in story, which sort of works. Yeah, which is the worst because it's like it's, it's, it's they're non-canonizing it within canon. I'm like, damn it! <laughs> no, I want my non-canon to be non-canonized. That, that, that's fine. Anyway, cool. Whatever. Well, well what, what a lesson to story. leave this episode on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, good job. Uh, side stories are awesome, and next week we'll be moving on to Crimson Vow. Um, I guess just a little kind of like sort of leading into that. I am excited for Crimson Vow. The set does look really mm. cool. I will say there are several aspects to it and the flavor of it that I am hugely not keen on. Interesting. Yeah, cliffhanger. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah, cool. We'll have to delve in. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to cliffhanger by saying. If they can't fix the order in which they release story spotlight cards, some point soon, I'm going to burn their fucking ah, building to the yeah, ground. Yeah. It's so annoying. Like, it's so annoying. Like, I hate to speak good of the War of the Spark time of magic, but the fact they did, like, acts for their story spotlight yeah. cards and actually managed to actually make it come out as in acts. Like, the only, the only argument I've heard that makes any sense to me is that someone said, like, yeah, they probably had to put so much effort into making that happen. They went, fuck it. Let's not do that. Let's not bother doing that again. In which case, stop putting story spotlight on the bottom of the cards. Doesn't it doesn't matter. If you release them out of order, it, does, yeah, it just literally organize your spoiler season better. Yeah, God's sake, I know it's always spoiler season for you, but come on, organize it better, Wizards. It just, I don't all, need all you to know. To is give out your, your preview cards and then just go, oh, Pleasant Kenobi, uh, can you not release until this date? Which they do anyway. They already right. give them release yeah. dates. So they already them schedule them. Exactly. Don't give me glorious fucking sunrise before I've even seen Edgar Markov in his fucking suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. shake of the table. Anyway, yeah, whatever. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. I guess that, that that's that. <laughs> all that remains for yeah, today, guys, it. is... Oh, wait, well, let's do our sign-off. Shit, you, you almost yeah, did sign-off. it last week, and I didn't even do it this week. Um, <laughs> all right, what side stories have captured your imagination in recent sets? Not just uh, Midnight Hunt, but pretty much from across the board of uh, since they brought back web fiction. What have been your favourite side stories? They are really, really good, so let us know. Uh, let us know on our Twitter, at mtflavoring. Uh, mtflavoring at gmail.com is where you can find our gmail account uh gmail.com account in fact that's where emails go to the gmail good um my personal twitter is at andy manface nathan's yours is at the fox in the moon uh and now now all that remains to say is thank you so much for listening this has been magic the flavoring we'll see you soon